Hello everyone and welcome to another horror review. I was meant to do this one last night and then you know when you get to a certain age your old uh your grey matter uh stops working as well. What I've done is I've switched horrific tales. Normally I would have done it on our Friday night and I thought let's switch over to Thursday because I've done one or two episodes on Thursday and it seemed to do better than normal. So I thought maybe uh maybe releasing the horrific tale on the Thursday night might give uh, our contributor authors a bit more exposure. In the end, I can go live anytime. So it's no matter to me. I can bounce on and you can watch or not watch. You know, it's that. But when I'm actually scheduling posts featuring somebody's work who's finally, very kindly contributed to the show, you want to do the best you can. So <laughs> I tried the formula. I thought, okay, make a decision. Releasing a Thursday night. But of course, dum-dum. Schedules the episode and then goes, oh, got to do a stream. And I just thought, oh, yeah, well, Friday night. Uh, got to do a Thursday because Friday night's running the deal. I know how to, really, I know how to uh, schedule. But I looked, I glanced over it, and I forgot that it was on a Thursday this time. And, uh, and it was on purpose because sometimes what's happened, uh, YouTube gets, or StreamYard gets really weird because what it is, I schedule it in StreamYard and then it pumps out the YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all the rest. Um, yeah, so I'll sh schedule for a certain time, sorry, excuse me, because of course, um, that's my kebab coming up, it's Friday night, it's kebab and beer time, in case you didn't know, and yeah, I thought I'd give that a bash, try something different, and then forgot myself, so what I didn't want to do is, when I'm putting out the horror of a tale, I don't want to do a live stream to take away from it, does that make sense? Because that's, that's a bit shitty. No point putting out somebody's work and then you go on live stream afterwards. It's almost like, that ah, doesn't matter. So, realizing my mistake, I'm like, oh, right, okay. Uh, right, better do this tonight then instead of last night. But I finished watching the movie last night. I was ready to go on and realize, oh, right. Oh, my horror of deal, right. Better reschedule. So, for those of you expecting me to come on last night, I do apologize. But we had a really cool story to share with you. And, uh, uh, that's important. That that's a whole that's a whole premise of this show, is to showcase in, individual independent talent. That's what we want to do. The corporate Hollywood machine is just churning out absolute spew at the moment. It's awful. Thankfully, the horror genre has been around long enough and hardy enough that it can weather the storm. I come out the other end, and us normal weirdos. Does that that sound? <laughs> that's a bit of non sequitur, but um, or an oxymoron. But the normal weirdos, the the actual weirdos, not the fashionable weirdos that want to be weird for the sake of being weird and getting attention, but us here are genuinely strange people. Let's be honest, we are, and I embrace it. You got to embrace it if you if you feel disconnected from the like the herd. And you like weird stuff that makes other people cringe. And you just know there's enormous society. And you step that little bit outside it and you don't quite fit in. And then you see the trenders. And the trenders have been around since the dawn of time. Every time there's a an alternative or a subculture, there's always the trenders. They'll wear the uniform. They'll make it a uniform, actually, because generally it isn't the uniform. But they'll make it a uniform. You have to 
word as be tattooed with us, watch this, listen to this, blah, 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 right? You'll get these Muppets and they'll appear. And basically what they're doing, they're bringing the mainstream and the the, the other genre or culture. You know what I mean? They're, they're bringing the, to use uh, dumb Yankistani terms, but um, the jocks and cheerleaders, you know, they'll, they'll bring their wretched, toxic culture into another one. And it's still the same shitty... Uh, mindset and then they try and ruin they end up destroying what it is the the once they get a foothold they destroy what it is and then it doesn't it's no longer the thing so anyway that's that's my preaching over but never is sorry i'm a guy on youtube what can i say i've got a camera and a microphone i'm gonna preach that's what we do <laughs> oh my word i'm in a good mood uh i'm also knackered uh, I had to start work early today to move a load of computers because of switching departments and stuff. And, uh, and you know, I'm just unfortunately one of people. You got to be there to do it, or else uh, it's going to take half a day. And we don't have that time. Too busy. So, got to get done. So, meanwhile, lack of sleep. And, you know, the old papers are like this right now. So, forgive me. I might fall asleep half halfway through stream. <laughs> Even funny. Um, got off a tube, got in the final bus to get home. And I do the thing, I'm I'm like staring at the window. This is me on the bus. I, I give my little spot, I stand up because I sit in the backside all day. So I'm like, ah, oh, oh, the world, the world, right? <laughs> it was about 20 seconds. So we go, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I completely spaced it. <laughs> and then somebody nudged me. I'm like, what, what? This girl with a pram. I was trying to get in the because I'm standing in the spot where normally a prom would go on the bus. I had no idea. I was I was somewhere else. I was in my happy place, or I was maybe fantasy or dreaming about people getting like fled or you know I don't know where I was, but I wasn't here. And I'm just like, what? Oh, oh, oh! You know, back to reality. Um, two stops away. If um, that hadn't happened, I probably would have missed my stop. I was gone. I just stared out the window. I completely zoned out. <laughs> that's, so that's kind of, I'm still in that state right now. So do forgive me. Anyway, oh. <laughs> it was a cool story. Um, But that's the thing. Um, And that's the point of this show. If you go to the mainstream, right? You'll get the same drudgery. And the travel horror as well, but it doesn't seem to land. Thankfully, like I said, the horror genre, there are quite a, quite a few idiots. And there's quite a few of the trenders. Let's put it like that. They just want to make it fashionable. Or they want to, you know, they want to for the moment be king or queen or whatever, you know. They're not actually interested in the genre itself. And the multi-facets of it. And uh, we have talked about this to the crowds come home and we'll talk about it again. Horror ha is one of the earliest staples of storytelling, literature, cinema. Right? You look at the works that have stood the test of time and you get the odd anomaly in other genres, but you look at the works that have stood the test of time and it's horror. Um, 
please disagree. If you does if you don't agree with what I'm saying, please give me examples. Yeah. And yes, you will be able to give a handful of examples of other genres, but there's ten times more in horror. And that's not a bragging thing, because I didn't make it. At the end of the day, I have no skin in the game in terms of it being better or being more prevalent. I have no, you know what I mean? I'm not getting any money for it. I'm not getting any fame for it. It's just the way it is. In fact, it's one of the things that I've noticed that has kept me a fan of horror. I have lost interest in science fiction. I have lost interest in fantasy. There are genres, you know, franchises I have grown up with as a kid and in the early adulthood, and I have no interest in it anymore. I just done. Now, when you're with me and Cameron, my co-host, or Adam, our good friend, or some of the other folks that join on, they look at me as if, are you mad? I'm like, once I have no interest, I have no interest. But with horror, yes, you get the stereotypes. Yes, you get the tropes. But you always get something fresh. Let's talk about this movie. Pray for the devil. Right, now, when it was advertised... It was, oh, the first female, you know, the first nun to perform an exorcism. They kind of did a wee bit of that, but I saw from the trailers, there's something more. Because this could have been an absolute bunch of trite. Let's be honest. Because we see it in every other franchise. Oh, girls do it better, blah, blah, blah. Oh, toxic man, blah, blah, blah. Right, and it would put you off. But being horror and being actual horror... There's more to this story. And you can see that straight away. That, that's why I was intrigued. Why I'm only reviewing it now is quite simple. Our cinema over here in the UK is shit. It is proper crap. There's movies get released and we'll not get... Uh, you know I mean? The mainstream travel, you'll see that. Okay? But anything niche, anything outside of that generic, bland sludge that comes out of Hollywood, your local cinemas aren't showing it. They might show it once a week, at a lunchtime, during the week. So apparently if you like horror, you are unemployed. That's the attitude. You know, if you like horror, you're you know, you're know a student or a bum. You don't actually have a career or do anything with your life. No, that's, that's kind of the attitude. Oh dear, Chris. Okay, um, I'm never going to lose interest in fantasy, um, as itself. But in terms of creation, in terms of um, the trite that comes out there, I've no interest. Um, they try to kill Lord of the Rings with their stupid shit and just bad writing. Um, really annoyed me. Uh, the Done it with so many other things. Uh, the Wheel of Time. Now, I wasn't a massive fan. It took me a minute to get into The Wheel of Time. I'll be honest. It took me four books. Like, the character that really annoyed me was Matram. Because the first three books, he was a dick. And I actually kind of liked his character. But I think it was the fourth book. You actually got to see the, the spunkiness of him. And where he was a valuable asset to the team. But uh, what do you call her? The... the the Sedai, the man, whatever it was, the witch. Uh, 
she was a bitch and she was a bitch throughout the whole thing. And her uh, servant was, you know, he was a dick. He was just pointless. So I had a struggle with that series. But what Netflix did, there's no call for that, you know. And that's why I'm pissed off. Um, if you want to know the reason why I've gone off fantasy, the sci-fi channel, and this is before the, all the woke nonsense, but the sci-fi channel put me off fantasy because, oh my God, talk about low-hanging fruit and cheap, cheesy shite. And there's no need. Um, as a horror fan, we forgive the limitations of budget, effects, all that kind of stuff. But dude, because we understand for something to be visceral and real and in your face, it's going to cost a lot of money to get the visual aspect. We know that. And we know that unless it's a like hundreds of millions uh, of whatever currency, you know, because that equates anyway, but unless it's like really super high budget, we know we're not going to get that something leaping out at you at the screen. And that's fine. So you compensate and you think, okay, I want a good story told. Tell me a good story and I'll forgive the rest because I understand the limitations. And that's why actually one of the best things horror does is does a lot of things off screen and leaves it suggestive. That's why books, for those of you that don't read, I suggest that um, like anything, it just takes practice. You don't have to be an academic. And that's, I think that's what annoys me about the bookish people. They're known as, you know, the ones that are go on and talk about books all the time. They try to be super hyper intellectual type folks. And that's off putting if you're just an ordinary person who is trying to make your way through life and then somebody's being an absolute snob. And there's no need to be. Just tell a good story. And you, it doesn't have to be something you have to spend years studying and deciphering to enjoy it. In fact, the, simple, the smartest people take complex ideas and break them down into simple terms. When you know a bullshitter is somebody that's always trying to conflate and use jargon and overcomplicate something, that means they're hiding behind things and they're not confident. And now, like, I've lived quite a long life because I'm an old fart. I've seen a few things. So uh, I've, that's one of the things I've recognized. People that try to put in jargon aren't very intelligent. They've learned a few buzzwords and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to confuse you. Anyone who actually has a genuine interest in passing on or a passion of passing on knowledge, they don't want you getting overwhelmed with jargon. They want you to love what they love. They want you to appreciate it at least or understand where they're coming from. So they're not going to flounce it out. They're going to break it down into the basics. I hope that's something I try to achieve here. I'm not, not claiming to be intelligent, by the way. I'm just saying, if I enjoy something, I hope I explain to you why I enjoy it. And if I don't enjoy something, I also hope I explain to you why I don't enjoy it. Now, that is not me telling you why to like or not like something. I'm just giving my take. And if you disagree, in fact, I've said this before as well, there's people that I watch who, if they recommend something, I know I'm not going to like it. But that's useful because I know if they like it, I'm not going to. And if they don't like something, 
then I'm probably going to be interested. And that's nothing to do with ideology, hatred, or that kind of nonsense. It's just, um, okay, I know what your viewpoint is. I know it's not mine, but I've no reason to hate you for it. In fact, your opinion is useful to me because it also helps guide me to what I want to watch or not watch because I know if you don't like it, there's a good chance I will. And if you do like it, there's a good chance I won't. So that's just as useful to me as just being in a little bubble and everybody agreeing with each other. So if anything, I hope this provides that sort of uh, uh, use for you. But I'm, I'm babbling. But I'm, lack of sleep, like I said, it's, it's Friday night, lack of sleep. And I plan to do this last night, not tonight. Let's go back to the movie. Why not? Because that's what we're here for. We have the premise, um, Sister Anne. What's happened is it talks about the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, and exorcism. The exorcism rite is something that was only ever taught and trained in Rome. However, Judea's spike in demonic possessions. Um, the RCs decide to branch out and have uh, have exorcism training schools or whatever throughout the world. But we start off with Anne as a kid, and she's on kneeling on the bed praying, and her mother comes to the door, and she's like, "Let me in. Why have you got locked? To- no, can I run?" And she hears she's praying. And then all of a sudden she starts head up in the door, you know, um, that typical, oh, there's something not right here. So we'll find it like hereditary type stuff. Uh, you know, that head button, that, that effect that was used in hereditary, that's that's kind of recycled here. But basically what it's telling is that this woman's possessed by a demon because you don't do it or something wrong with her. So she goes from trying to like just open the door to head button it and going crazy so we know it's not right and the reason she's praying is because basically her mother's possessed my demon that's what we've got here now i don't want to spoil this movie uh before going ahead because i do want you to watch it understand this i really enjoyed this movie i really did this uh despite what could have been and it could have been awful has actually turned out to be a really thoughtful um, character-driven, plot-driven movie. And that's not something I can always say about exorcism films, because what can you do with an exorcism movie? Let's be honest. Two priests enter a room with a possessed person on a bed. And that's generally how most possession movies go. Except for a possession of 30,000 feet, because that's... Was it 60? No, 60,000 feet. The one on the plane, the one I covered, the comedy... Um, that's bonkers. You've got to check that movie out. That is so much fun. And of course, The Exorcist. The Exorcist, let's be honest, The Exorcist started this off, this trend, because it was the pinnacle. And everything else has tried to imitate it because that's what you do when you're inspired, you try to uh, imitate. Uh, there's some of my good friends who inspire me, so I try to imitate what they do. Uh, I take inspiration from it. There's people who've watched online. I you know they inspire me. So I try to bring some of their ideas into what I do here. Uh, but at the same time I'm trying uh, I need to be myself. If I can't be myself, 
then there's no point doing this because you're just a carbon copy. But we've seen this with Exorcist movies, just trying to carbon copy the best, and that's the Exorcist. Um, and that's not a antagonistic thing, but if you look at it objectively, that's the best because it was there first. I had the idea, and a lot of Exorcism movies follow the same pattern. And once again, nothing wrong with that. You can be able to remember. This movie, however, is a bit different. So I thought it was going to be about, and this is what my concern was, I thought it was going to be, oh, girl does it better. Oh, none decides to be an exorcist. And oh, everyone, you know, she pops the trend. And surprisingly, it was not that at all. This is a really well thought out movie. And it uses, it's actually more about, <laughs> sorry, excuse me. <coughs> sorry about that. There's always someone about to go online, and all of a sudden they start getting snuffles or a cough or something stupid. <laughs> That's the fun of being live, I suppose. But yeah, this could have been cheesy as hell, but we don't get that. What we get is a really thought, well thought out, character driven story. So we'll go to uh, Boston, Land of the Plastic Patties. And of course, the RC set up one of their training schools there because if it's not American, of course, it doesn't exist. I don't know why this could have been in Rome itself, but you know, that's the filmmakers, they need that to happen there. Could have been anywhere in the world, but. Why not? I suppose go to ground zero in terms of <laughs> Egypt's, but it's it's held there, but it could have been anywhere. That's not important. So what we have is the exorcist training. It's it's more than a training center, that's the thing. Um they called it something, I forget, but they have this where they're training exorcists. But also, they are treating people who are possessed. Now, what they have done, and fair play to the ones that wrote this story, because let's be honest, the, the Roman Catholic Church is not a force for good. It is one of the most evil, oppressive organizations on the planet. In this movie, they addressed this. Now, they could have addressed it really badly and made it preachy and etc etc and made it unpalatable but what they did was and I think this is the way for for a lot of people this is what our forebears did in the past wasn't nice we've decided to move forward from that and embrace the community rather than being dogmatic so with that they're talking about the Inquisition. Um, they're talking about, you know, drowning witches. They're talking about because they don't want to conflate. I was going to say Salem witch trials, but that's not that was Puritans. But they're talking about their atrocities over the years, and they've understood that zealotry does not lead to the greater good. Which is perfectly understandable. And that's the genre. That's what us in the horror genre understand. Because we explore that. We explore the extremes. 
So we know that zealotry of anything, be it religious, political, racial, it doesn't matter. Once you have a zealot, that unflinching belief of you are the best and anything that is not you, precisely down to a T, is the other evil and should be squashed. And what it can lead to. Horror has explored this for eons. And that's uh, that's what makes this a good, always a good uh, platform, I think, for discussion and discourse as opposed to preaching and being moronic and adding to the fuel, adding fuel to the fire as opposed to looking for a way forward. Well, maybe use um we were taught it. We have known about it. It's over this side of the world, it was a real thing. You know what I mean? Because it was known as the Spanish Inquisition. Because it was the Castellers and it was the Spanish zealots of Rome, you know, fueled by Rome that did the worst of it over here. It's real. You have ancestors, you have, you know, you look at uh, France and King Philip, I think it was. I think it wasn't of Rome, you know, was lesser. We went through millennia of this, not just centuries, but millennia of this back and forth. And one thing you understand is it doesn't achieve anything. Because what it thought the only thing that inspires is fear and hatred. When you inspire fear and hatred, you're not going to promote your cause. It might be a temporary fix, but nah, you're you're not going to achieve anything. I'm very philosophical tonight, but this is a philosophical movie. It's not a slasher movie. It's not a comedy. This is a movie that makes you think. And it's good to do those. Let's be honest. It's good to evaluate yourself. It's good to evaluate your place in the world. It's good to evaluate the world around you and the way it has been, where it is now, and where it's potentially going. As much as it's great to live your own life and not be involved in things or cause ripples if you don't need to, you still need to be aware because... It's that whole thing of all evil needs to triumph is for good men to do nothing, but that's subject that's as subjective as hell. What is evil? You know, what is good? It's somebody's what I might consider good, somebody else might kind of consider disgusting. And that's that's where we're at. So I think it's down to your individual uh, I'm not comfortable with that. And if you're seeing actual harm done to someone else, that's where you're like, whoa, you know, unjust. Somebody throws the first punch, so to speak, and the other person's jumping on their head, so be it. But it's all about that person that's antagonizing. The antagonist, the one that starts the thing out of nothing, that's what you always got to watch out for. And I just put it down to a physical fight because that's the easiest thing. If somebody's out to cause drama and they're the ones that want to throw the first punch, then they deserve everything they get in turn. But always, 
you know, society because you do the reaction is more forceful than the action. And that's what people have a problem getting their heads around. So you always got to be wary of this. And I think this story tells that in a really good, good way. Because the demons, you know, they're the foot soldiers. They're the ones that want to pierce through the veil. They're the ones that want to create hell on earth. And that's uh, that's their whole thing. Now, for a start, I don't believe in this. <laughs> I'm not. In case anybody thinks I'm a Christian, you could be more than you couldn't be more than wrong. But there's nothing wrong with suspending disbelief. And diving into a movie and getting the pre precepts because you can still take something from it. So don't automatically think it's the same as um and that's what annoys me about the woke mob because there's been progressive movies, there's been liberal movies, there's been lots of stuff out there for centuries that have promoted a positive message and positive change. And these fucking idiots have actually done the opposite and made more people more hardlined, including myself, because I've become more entrenched and hardlined because if you antagonize me, well guess what? The reaction is always going to be twice as much as the initial action. Anyway. So with Sister Anne, she's a nun, she's assigned in this place. And this is the thing about religion. If you're going to join a religion, obey the rules and understand your place in it. If not, don't join. I have a major problem with people that always want to reinvent the wheel. If a particular religion, and even if it's Christianity as a whole or various sects of Christianity, if it's outlived this course, then just abandon it. What I find really strange at the moment are these people that want to join and change it just so it fits them. Then why are you doing it? You know, I mean, there's a thing about doctrine and finding principles. That's there for a reason. But you you always get these people. They're too... uh, They don't have the talent. They don't have the intelligence. And they don't have the vision to offer anything to the world so they infest something and then take it over because it's easier to infiltrate something that's already established and mimic the words and then when they get to a certain position they try to change it to suit their vision because their vision themselves is not that strong they don't have anything to offer so that's what they do we've seen it in entertainment We've seen it in religion, we've seen it in politics, we've seen it everywhere. Um, I think at the moment we're in a sort of a point where these people have kind of got too much power because of the tolerance of others. So it's got to say there's intolerance is useful and it's all about balance. And I think that's a problem that we have in society is we don't know what the balance is. So people go to the, to the extremes and like I said, the the reaction to an action is usually twice than the initial assault when it's antagonistic. Look through history. 
and you'll you'll see that's the case. Whatever the initial action was, or infraction on someone else's territory or lives, the the comeback has always been worse. And that is, you know, that's it. And that's why you should always consider before doing something. Is it right now? Spur of the moment, passion, emotion, your logic center shut down. We all know this. So I'm not trying to offer any solutions here, but it's always uh, good to think. Anyway, um, so we've got Anne. She's here. Um, what they've done is the, the nuns offer the palliative care to the residents. And what I mean is by residents is there are people that have been identified as potentially possessed, but the RCs have made a deal with medical folks that rather than saying somebody's a witch, burn the witch, they're possessed, do this to them. They want to actually use science to find the initial answer. If you think about um, the book I read, uh, reviewed James Herbert's Haunted, uh, that's what he did. He he went. He was part of this, the Psychic Foundation Society. Was it the Psychic Society? Anyway, um, and he actively went out to disprove that there was a spirit causing what whatever the disturbance was. By actively disproving it, he got rid of the charlatans and the anomalies, and then that when all of that side of things was exhausted then the realm of the spiritual come in which actually is sound logic let's be honest that is that's actually quite decent you you look for everything that's rational you exhaust that um that's that's the basis of science and then you look through our realms for the honor and that's magic and that's uh as a believer in magic you know that's the difference between science and magic is magic is the unexplained the inexplicable and the wondrous science is the grounded the tested the proven the observable and that's what they've set up here and they've set it up actually quite decently apart from one character and that is the what natalie um virginia yeah, dr peters um this had to be uh initially one of the worst characters you know really antagonistic and i don't know if it was deliberately done like this but because she, she came into her own at the end so i don't know was it being led down a path and this is what makes this movie clever actually because initially i hated her and then i warmed her towards the end and then realized she was performing her function as a scientist which is to question and test and disprove and cause doubt because that's what you need to actually get a workable uh result is you need the disprovers you need somebody to test you because then only through being tested can you actually come through the other side so i was mistaken and i think that's that's why i think this movie's clever because they set her up as she was the unlikable character because she was a psychologist assigned to this uh institution and her job was to not only um through her team secondly 
psychiatrically evaluate the residents, i.e. those that are considered or suspected of being possessed, but she also carried out the same evaluations on the staff as in members of, you know, the nuns and priesthood. They were not immune. They had to go through weekly counseling sessions. And that was interesting. Oh, hi there. Do you believe it? Um, yes, it's actually, um, I said at the start, it's a really good movie. And that's what I think that's why it's taken me uh, so long to get through it. It's a it's a very philosophical driven movie. It's one that makes you think and question and wonder. And when you're doing that, that's that's when you're in the sign of a good movie. It had every potential to be a throwaway, nah, that's what it is. But no. Um, there's quite a lot going on. So, like I said, they're they're being secondly, uh they're being evaluated. They have to actually explain their backgrounds and where they're from and where they are. And that's not a bad thing because even as being pointed out this and this and this Catholic Church, not the actual Catholic Church, because they're still a bunch of nonces um, and deny everything, or like most, but this fictional church is realizing the mistakes of the past and trying to move forward into the future while still holding on to its faith. And that's admirable, admirable, you know. And it's a it's a tricky trait to pull off. And they've actually done it quite well in this movie. I was finding myself because normally and I'll I'll not lie to you, uh in any sort of possession movie, I'm on the side of the demon. You know, I'm playing uh on uh, Adam's channel this Sunday, <laughs> uh, Army of Darkness. I'm the head of the Deadites. You know, I'm a I'm a demon lover. That's it. There's no if buts or babies. Sorry, bring on the darkness. Let's go. So when I find myself actually feeling sympathetic towards the Roman Catholic Church and its aims, you're going, "Holy shit, this is a good movie." And that's that's when you know you're getting told a good story when you're letting go of whatever in the world and you're suspending disbelief and you're there in that zone. So this Catholic Church is not the Catholic Church in the world. This, the doctors are not the doctors in the real world. This is its own little universe and this is a story being told. And once you get into that, well, sure, why not? You can enjoy it. Now, the whole premise of the story, Anne is a complex character. She could so have easily been a Mary Sue in this. She could have been a one-dimensional, you know, I'm a, I'm a woman boss, going to kick arse and slap the demons around and show those horrible, toxic, uh, patriarchal, you know, all the usual nonsense men, what it's about. But it's not like this. It's actually done with respect, but also her compulsion. And this is the clever bit of the movie because we all have compulsions. There's no point lying about it. We know we do. Unless you're living in denial of your own life, we've all got our own compulsions. We have those drives 
those urges that almost rule us. Now, if you're self-aware, you understand we have them and you try to negate them. Um, but those that are complete self-denial just carry on and those compulsions then rule them. Um, I wrote a poem about creatures of compulsion. Um, feel free to check it out in one of my books. But anyway. Anne has a troubled past. Her motivations for being there and she is empathetic towards the residents. And we see that side of her. And it's good to see that side of her because so often in movies when you've got a girl boss, they're usually a wooden plank rolled out and they've nothing to offer. Sister Anne is a good character. And what I mean by a good character is there's depth, there's flaws there, there's a willingness to actually do good, and there's a story to unfold with the character. You can't have a protagonist unless you have that. The failure, you know, the story, the fail, they pick themselves up, they move forward. And that's what we're seeing played out here. In terms of the students and the priesthood, because they're uh, this is a wee bit this is a bit I had a problem with. The the priests that were under tutelage of um Colin Salmon. Christian Navarro hang on. Yeah, Colin, Colin Salmon, right? He's a fantastic actor. Uh Yes, sorry, Chris, another British actor. I do apologize. <laughs> what can I say? We've got a British actor who's played a really good role. He's the instructor. What I don't get are the, the student priests. You'd think they were just learning to be priests. In the first, like, they're so young. You would think they were just learning to be priests, where you would think exorc you know, exorcism training would be the next level. So I'm expecting, at the least, early to mid-30s. If you put in this context, when does somebody hear the calling? Even if it's at the youngest time, they need to learn what to do. They need to get their parish. They need to develop themselves. Like, just dealing with humanity before dealing with the extremes. Because... Um, a lot of these people, they close themselves off from the world. They've gone under from young age, so it's possible a lot of them are celibate. They've, <laughs> they've cut themselves off the world. So dealing with the actual harsh realities of the world, the people that are trying to heal their flock, that's got to take some doing. So... It's a movie thing that they only have young people because you need to see pretty young people in a movie to empathise with them. That was a bit of a stretch because they should have been seasoned priests going to the next level if you're to you know, believe how exorcism works and the extreme nature of it and the ultimate you know, unshaken faith. Why would you bring young priests into this and that's where it becomes 
a bit of hardness has been this belief. You kind of take yourself out of it. But that aside, it's not horrible because the characters are actually quite decent. Like I'm saying, this isn't your typical, oh, girl boss, oh, toxic man. It's not a lot of nonsense. What Sister Alma is doing in her spare time was attending lectures. So she would kind of slip in and actually attend lectures on exorcism that was given by uh, Father Quinn. And you know what? That was all right. You know, there was nothing like anybody could have bothered her at the moment going, oh, there's a nun, there's a nun, there's a nun, none doesn't belong in here. None of that. They just went, oh, right, you're interested in this. The only person that got her, you know, got their neck up was the mother superior. Caught her out and then abolished her for it and brought her in front of the, uh, the Monsignor. Is it Monsignor? I think it was the Monsignor. Well, uh, next one up, anyway. I think the Monsignor is before the Bishop, is it? In their rank structure. But anyway, the one that wears are more red than the others and we cappy thing. Um, yeah, that one. The next, the boss, next boss up. She was brought up the middle management and told off. But uh, Quinn was like, yeah, there's something in her. Don't, don't, uh, don't write her off. And that's, that's good because rather than distracting from the actual tale, which believe it or not, this tale is on story. That's what this whole tale is about. So you've got a story driven, character driven tale here in a setting. And that's what makes this movie so good. Because this could have been so horrible and cheesy. But there we go. Um, so what happens is um, there's a moment she's tending to one of the patients. One of the patients then becomes possessed by a demon and the demon attacks her and she actually fends him off. And that's because there's cameras everywhere. It's all caught. So her actions in re- uh, reaction to an event which if somebody didn't have strength in them wouldn't would have succumbed to a demon attack actually made the the hierarchy so to speak go hmm she's invested she was actually able to fend off attack there's something here to explore and that's actually good um that would almost make you believe because a lot of problem with uh like religions and church religions are more interested in their own politics than what they're so-called trying to achieve. And it's, uh, well, I've rejected it many, many, many years ago. Um, and you see it with all religions, even alternative ones. People get so wrapped up in position and climbing the ladder that they forget what the actual tenets behind the religion is. And that's where you become despondent. And I'll not, uh, obviously I'm not here to preach to anybody or talk about things in that sense. Everyone I have talked to just within this sphere in terms of the authors that have come aboard and the fans, people from all walks of life. So I'm never going to say what you believe is wrong. You do you. If what you believe, and it's always been my philosophy, if what you believe gives you a grounding in the world, makes sense of the world to you, and 
hopefully makes you not so much of a dickhead as we all have potential to be. And I know I've been one myself at times, <laughs> many times. But if that's your moral compass and that's what gives you uh, motivation to carry on the road, why am I going to tell you it's wrong? But all I ask in the same respect is you give me the same courtesy. I think that's simple enough. So you do you, I do me, and we're all good. We can all find common ground. That's why I have been such a proponent of creativity and fandoms that we can come from all walks of life, but for this moment, we can come together. This movie, obviously, as you can probably tell, I'm not a Roman Catholic. Uh, I have no love for that sect or religion whatsoever. But I can appreciate this movie. And I can take the characters as they are and I can take their motivations because they're well drawn out characters. And that's the main thing. When you've badly written characters, you you lose whatever message you're trying to convey. This has done a decent job in that respect. So this is um when Sister Anne meets a young girl, Natalie, there's a bond formed there. And then if she finds out that uh, Natalie's what's known as terminal, what they mean by that is when a possession becomes terminal is that the, the host is likely to die and usually the move them to Rome itself for the last days of their life and they try to you know, do what they can to save the person's soul, but to know that their mortal life's going to end. Sister Anne goes down with the priests, and this is a wee bit I had trouble with, because Natalie ends, you know, she forms a bomb with Natalie, and then Natalie's moved to the, the secure unit, so the different levels of this, like there's a normal unit, secure unit, super secure, and then it goes to Rome. Um... It's interesting. Uh, trying to think. No, sorry. I'm trying to think how to go to hell. I don't want to spoil the plot. But things progress. Sister Anne's identified as somebody with ability and power. And I think you see that from the trailers. And that's what this is about. What I'm trying to explain here is there's a bigger story behind Sister Anne. And her power is not just, I'm a girl, I'm going to do it first. Because they even said that the first uh, woman exorcist was uh, St. Catherine, which was interesting. So, the, oh, yeah, somebody did it before you, 700 years beforehand. That's, you know, and that's good. It's good that we get away from this stupid current society of antagonism and actually get back to character-driven stories. Because that's how you get equality. And I hate the the terms become poison now where they used to be positive and that's because I'm an old guy and remember the equality was a positive term but it's become toxic now but how you get equality and how you get like not seeing anything but the person in front of you is knowing what the character is knowing their motivations and agreeing with them and having empathy if you don't get those things delivered to you, how can you have empathy with anybody? If somebody appears 
in a story in front of you or in real life who is just obnoxious and horrible and someone that rubs you up the wrong way. What are you gonna, how are you going to even remotely identify with them or agree with them or champion their cause? You're not. End of story. And you're not seeing here as well. It's not a... Like, the nuns have their role. And it works because... God, what was I going to talk about? Yeah. Two things. The 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 Roman Catholic Church and the Church of Woke are both afraid of feminine energy. Now, if you're a practitioner of magic, you understand there's masculine energy, there's feminine energy. Both are just as powerful in their own rights. And it's the combination of the two that performs great works. And I think that encompasses most magic users' uh, beliefs and systems. Um, it's a denial of magic that leads to a lot of misery and just uh, unfulfillment. The acknowledgement and embracement of magic in the world is what takes us higher than what we are. And unfortunately, at the moment, we really are in a a world of like denial of magic, and that's not good. And that's just to put some of my. Uh, <laughs> you want to get to know about my personal beliefs. Uh, I do I genuinely believe that. We need magic in the world. We need wonder. We need power. And power is not always toxic. There's a quiet understated power. There's empowering power mint. Um, power is useful. We need power. Power makes this box over here whiz into life and makes the cables connect and me be able to talk the funny lights in the background, you know, we need power. Power is part of our life. Without power, I wouldn't be able to do this. You know, we're all we're all about power. That doesn't equate the dominance. You know, they're completely different things. But all these all these things have been completed together in the denial of magic. What we're seeing here is actual application of masculine and feminine magic together and where where it works and this is actually a positive you know if this was if this movie was trying to convey a message of any sort the message it conveys is masculine and feminine magic while different only work when together and there's two particular scenes there's a point where uh, Father Dante and Sister Anne do something, and then there's later on when they do something. Because I don't want to spoil the plot. You really want to. Uh, the movie's worth a watch, so I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it for you. But the first time, the masculine and feminine magic were not in tandem, and this isn't sexual, by the way. Just so we understand, they're still priests and nuns, and they're still devoted. So this isn't a dopey, you know, everyone's screwing each other, because that's, while it's fun, and you know me, I love boobies, I love titillation, I've still got a libido, but it doesn't always have to be rammed into every movie. This 
the energies are still masculine, still feminine, but it's brotherhood and sisterhood and shared experience. And that's that's worth exploring. That's worth looking at. There's more to life than just what you rub your bits against. Trust me. As somebody who's rubbed his bits against quite a few things over the years and ruined his life because of it. Um, there's more to life than that. I mean, you discover that. It's fantastic. It doesn't mean you have to go to the extreme. That's what I'm saying. It's all about finding balance. But yes, we have this scene gets played out. We get more of Anne's backstory and how she came to be where she was and why this was particularly important. The demon itself, because it's the same demon that uh, plays through I think that's important to note. The same, It's the same demon as the main antagonist. It's not just random demons. It's the same demon and it has a purpose. And that's always good. That's why I'm a massive fan of the Evil Dead franchise because they gave the demons personality and purpose. And you need your antagonist to have that. The most terrifying antagonist is one with purpose and wants to do it rather than just some mindless thing. But there we go. Things come to, I'll wrap us up. I've gone nearly an hour, but things come to the conclusion. Now, there's one, another saying, like I said, all the young priests and experience didn't make sense. It took me out of it a bit. Because it actually took away from the part of the demon. So, the adversary, you know, meaning you, you kind of lost the power because it was against inexperienced people. So it could have been a low-level demon if you didn't delve more into the story of the movie. There's another scene where she leaves the facility and then comes back, and for some reason she ends up dressed as a priest, but she's more dressed like Batman because she has a weird cloak thing, and that made no sense. Because straight away they lost the feminine energy that they'd done so well in building up. But the only thing that kept me on board was the character development. So the, the costume change was unnecessary and foolish. Um, but still, they were able to, because of the character-driven aspect of the movie, they were able to pull it off and we were able to overlook that. Which is horror fans, as I said, said from the start, we overlook a lot of things because that's just the way it is. It comes to its conclusion and then follow on. And it doesn't, it's not uh, fluff together. It actually makes sense. Technically, that's a setup. It could be a sequel or not. It depends what happens. Because the thing, the, the movie carries on after the main climax confrontation, but it's not over. And then we finish off the movie and then go either way. Anne could carry on or somebody else could pick up the mantle. That's, you know, that's the way it worked. Uh, and actually, it wasn't a non-satisfying ending. It actually worked out quite well. And 
it made me intrigued. So just to wrap up, this this is a very thoughtful movie. That's why I've been uh, I've been going on tangents here. I know, but this is a sign of a good movie. If a movie makes you think and wonder about the world you're in without beating you over the head of it, and it poses questions that you want to answer, that's a good movie. And thankfully, uh, this could have been utter trite. It could have been awful. So uh, Daniel Stamm, the director, and it was created by Robert Zappia. Uh, it was created by Robert Zappia, Earl Richie Jones, and Todd R. James, right? Fair play to you, folks. You wrote a good story, and you produced it a good movie. I couldn't ask for anything more. This is what we need. This was a thoughtful, and this is back to the different aspects of horror. You know, we'll have our slashers, our comedies, our uh, cosmic horrors with all the types. And even the spiritual horrors can be really good because there's a wee bit more. They've thrown a bit of science fiction in this as well. And it worked. You've got worlds that could have been so far apart actually coming together. And and most importantly, people didn't lose sight. There was a wee bit of dogmatism in this, but it didn't detract from the story. So nobody lost sight of why they were here and what they were doing. And that's always refreshing to see in a movie. I haven't seen that in such a long time. The old hero's journey, good versus evil, and back then saying, you, you know I mean, heroes try and fail, then come back more triumphant. Without spoilers, you get this here. And therefore, you're satisfied at the end of it because you've been told a story. And that's all we want. Is, stories are what inspire us. And stories are what spark our own imaginations to do better things, to look for more than just what we are that's why storytelling has been part of the human condition since we've existed so there you go um <laughs> yeah i got a bit philosophical with this one but break it down enjoyable movie please check it out there's a link in the description let me know what you think have i maybe overthought this i don't think i have but um if you agree Disagree with what I said, let me know in the comments. Um, always good to have a discussion. Just keep it respectful as always. Keep up the date with the channel. Uh, plenty ahead of us. and Plenty coming up in the next month as well. We're already planning schedule uh, sessions for various things. Uh, do the typey clicky things. And until next time, keep it creepy. Keep it horrific. <laughs>